And good afternoon, people. Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode five zero, episode fifty. Isn't that awesome? And so uh, we finished um, with First Samuel uh, chapter four yesterday. So we're going to move on to chapter five today. <clears throat> and so then, uh, if we recall, the Philistines captured the ark in chapter 40, took it from the Israelites in battle, and they brought it to their city of Ashdod. And it says in verse 3, when the people of Ashdod got up early the next morning, there was Dagon falling with his face to the ground uh, before the ark of the Lord. And so Dagon is a statue. It was their God. And so they brought the ark, put it in their temple, and before uh, in the same place that Dagon was. And then the next morning, Dagon had fallen over. And so they put Dagon back right, you know, upright and whatnot. And then the next day, the same thing happened. But the word says this time, Dagon's head and both of his hands were broken off and lying on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso remained. And so Dagon fell over. Now this, this time parts of his body broke off. And so in verse 5, it says, The Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod. He terrified the people of Ashdod and its territories and its territory and afflicted them with tumors, you know. When the people uh, of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, the ark of uh, Israel's God must not stay here with us because his hand is strongly against us and our God, Dagon. And so the people said, look, we got to get rid of this thing. You know, <laughs> they can't stay here because it's against us and our God. Now think about this for a second. The people are saying, look, this ark is tormenting us, but it's also tormenting our God. So they're worshiping a God that's being tormented by another God. And so, so their solution is not to turn to the other God. Their solution is to get rid of the ark so we can continue happily on our way uh, worshiping our God that has been tormented by this other God. Anyway, we go on. It says uh, the ark of um, Israel's God should be moved to Gath, they replied. So they moved the Ark of Israel's God, uh, verse 9, after they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against the city of Gath, causing a great panic. And so they moved the Ark from Ashdod to Gath, and now Gath is having issues, and their people are being afflicted with tumors and whatnot. In verse 10, it says, the people of Gath, uh, Gath uh, then, sent the Ark, then sent the Ark of God to Ekron. And so the people of Gath are like, we got to get this thing out of here. So they sent it to another city. And then we see that the same things happens in that city. And so, <clears throat> and so the people are like, we, we, we just got to get this thing out of here, period. And it says uh, in chapter 6, verse 1, When the ark of the Lord had been in Philistine territory for seven months, the Philistines summoned the priests and the diviners, and they pleaded with them, you know, get rid of this thing. We, we, can't, we can't handle it. It's, it's too much. And so in verse 3, they replied, if you send the ark, because they asked, what, what should we do? How should we get rid of it? And they replied, if you send the ark of Israel's God away, do not send it without an offering. Send, it back, uh, send back a guilt offering to him, and you will be healed. Then the reason his hand hasn't been removed from you will be revealed. And so they said, send it back, but send it with some gifts. And so they started making, you know, gold uh, mice and gold tumors. I don't know what a gold tumor looks like. Uh, but anyway, and so they, they, they made this as a part of their offering. They also said, give glory to Israel's God, and perhaps he will stop oppressing you, your gods, and your land. That's in verse 5. Verse 6 says, why harden your hearts? Why harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened theirs? When he afflicted them, didn't they send Israel away? Uh, when he afflicted them, didn't they send Israel away? And Israel left. And so they're saying, look, why do what Pharaoh did? 
Don't go down this path. Let's just cut this off at the pass right now. Let's send them back and let's send them with gifts and let's stop being afflicted. In verse seven. Now then, so now they're going to explain how to how to do this. These are the priests and the diviners explaining how to get rid of the ark, essentially. Now then, uh, prepare a new cart and two milk cows that have never been yoked. Hitch the cows to the cart, but take their calves away and pin them up. Verse 8. Take the ark of the Lord, place it in the cart, and put the gold objects um, that you're sending him as a guilt offering in the box beside the ark. Send it off and let it go its way. Verse 9. Then watch. If it goes up the road to its home towards Beth Shemesh, it is the... um, it is the Lord who has made this terrible trouble for us. If it goes some other route, then we know it was just happenstance and it wasn't the Lord. But if, it, if, it, if the cart with these two unled cows go in a certain direction, then we know it was the Lord. And that is exactly what happened. In verse 12, it says the cows went straight up the road to Beth Shemesh. And so uh, uh, some of the Philistines were following behind it. They saw what the cart was doing and they said, yeah, this was the Lord that was against us. It says in verse 13, the people of Beth Shemesh uh, were harvesting wheat in the valley, and when they looked up and saw the ark, they were overjoyed to see it. So they're just working, right? And then they look up, they see the cart coming, and they're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> the ark has returned to us. And so they start celebrating, basically. And they're celebrating, they're making offerings to the Lord, but apparently in their, in their joy, they did some things they shouldn't have done. Because it says in uh, verse 19, Then God struck down the people of Beth Shemesh because they looked inside the ark of the Lord. He struck down 70 persons. The people mourned because the Lord struck them with great slaughter. And so in their haste, in their, in their uh, exuberance, you know, they did some things that they shouldn't have done. They didn't keep their boundaries. And then the Lord uh, called them on it and punished them for it. And so, and the people were distraught because of this. <clears throat> the Philistines were observing all of this as they were following behind, so they knew it was the Lord again, so they turned away, and they said, okay, that's the Lord. <clears throat> and so, the Israelites sent the, sent the ark on uh, to a city called Kareth Jerim, I guess. <laughs> it says, so the people of Kareth Jerim came for the ark of the Lord and took it to Abinadab's house in, on the hill. And so uh, Abinadab had a house on the hill. They took the ark there, and it says that they consecrated his son Eleazar to take care of it. And so it was Eleazar's job to watch over the ark and to care for it. So now it's in a different place. <clears throat> it says in verse 2, chapter 7, verse 2, Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken uh, to caress Jerem. And so 20 years have passed. The ark has been in the same place. So apparently this is where it was supposed to reside. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. So um, apparently they had sensed or felt that they have drifted for, from the Lord. And so they longed for him. In verse three, Samuel told them, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and of the Asherahs, uh, that are among you, dedicate yourselves to the Lord and worship him only. And so he's telling them what they should already know. Look, get rid of the idols, okay? Get rid of the idols, return to the Lord and worship him only, something that has been told uh, to the Israelites time and time and time again. 
And then it says, then he will rescue you from the Philistines. And so uh, it says, if you do this, then this is what the Lord will do. And then in verse 5, it says, Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord on your behalf. So gather all the people together, and we'll go and I'll pray to the Lord on, on, on your behalf so that you can successfully return to him. In verse 7, it says, when the Philistines heard that the Israelites had gathered at Mizpah, their rulers marched up towards Israel. When the Israelites heard about it, they were afraid because of the Philistines. And so I guess the Philistines are assuming that they're gathering to attack them or something. They don't realize they're gathering to pray to, pray to the Lord. But they gather their people, I guess their armies, and the Israelites hear about it, and they, they, become, um, they become afraid. So then Samuel, uh, he starts preparing an offering. And in verse 10, it says, Sam, Samuel was offering the burnt offering as the Philistines approached to fight against Israel. The Lord thundered loudly against the Philistines that day and threw them into such confusion that they were defeated by Israel. And so the, the, the Lord came uh, uh, at the offering in order to assist his people. It says in verse 13, So the Philistines were subdued and did not invade Israel's territory again. The Lord's hand was against the Philistines all of Samuel's life. And so uh, in, in, you know, Samuel was faithful. And God recognizes faithfulness, and so for all of his life, God's hand was against the Philistines. And it says, Israel even rescued their surrounding territory from, the, uh, from Philistine control. And so in other words, you know, God was with Samuel and, 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 and with Israel, and so even those in the extended territories got released from, Philistine, from the Philistine control because of their faithfulness. So we go on to chapter 8, and in verse 1, it says, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. Verse 3, However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned towards dishonest prophet, took bribes, and perverted justice. So this sounds very much like Eli, right? And so Samuel grew up under Eli, and Eli's sons did the same thing. And so here we have Samuel, a man of God, and then his sons also turned and so. You know, I know a lot of us get distraught a lot of times with regard to the to the state of our offspring. Uh, if, if they're not doing what we think they should be doing, as far as God is concerned, um, then we can get very defeatist and, and, and really come down on ourselves. But we're, as we read through the Word of God, there are several people, and this isn't to justify it or to say that it's okay, but it's just to put things into perspective. You know, we do the best that we can, and we turn the rest over to the Lord. That's easier said than done, though. I will add that. In verse 5, it says, um, well, verse 4, so all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. In verse 5, uh, they said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king uh, to judge us the same as all the other nations. And so Israel is saying, look, we want to be like all the other nations. So give us a king. Now, why would they want to be that when God is on their side and God has highlighted them to be his people? But this is what they want. And so Samuel doesn't dig this, right? He's not cool with this. And in verse 7 it says, But the Lord told him, Listen to the people and everything they say to you. They have not rejected you. They have rejected me as their king. So it's not about you. It's about me, Samuel. In verse 8, they are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me. And so go ahead and give them what they want, basically. And so in verse 10, it says, So Samuel told um, all, Samuel told all the Lord's words to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these are the rights of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them uh, to use in his uh, chariots, on his horses, or running in front of his chariots. He can appoint them for, uh, he can appoint them, 
for his use as commanders of thousands or commanders of fifties to plow his ground and reap his harvest or to make his weapons of war uh, and the equipment for his chariots. He can take your daughters to become perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He can take your best fields, vineyards, and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He can take a tenth of your grain in your vineyards and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, your best young men, and your donkeys and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves uh, can become his servants. Uh, verse 18, when that day comes, you will cry out because of the king you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord won't answer you on that day. And so Samuel is sending a warning to the people. He said, look, this king is going to have kind of infinite power. He can do pretty much anything he wants to do, and you can't do anything about it. Are you sure this is what you want? Are you sure this is what you want to sign up for? You know, you need to understand what you're about to do. And you're, you're doing this motivated by this idea that you want to be like other nations. Why would you want that when you can have the Lord God as your king? This is essentially what Samuel is telling the people. But in verse 19, this is their response. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we must have a king over us. Verse 20, then we'll be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us go out before us and fight our battles. So we can see here that what they're really motivated by is fear, you see. So they're really motivated by the spirit of fear because they're saying, look, if we have a king, he can go out and he can fight our battles and we don't have to be concerned and worried about this. And so that's where this is really coming from. We'll accept all this other stuff, you know, because our king is going to go before us and fight our battles. And, you know, we'll see in subsequent uh, episodes that uh, that's not necessarily a cool thing, you know. And so with that, we will conclude episode 50 and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye now.